Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God through which the Holy Spirit brings us the good news of Jesus is Acts 13, verses 38 through 48. We join Paul on his first missionary journey as he comes to the conclusion of a sermon he was preaching at a synagogue in Pisidian Antioch. Through Jesus, everyone, or therefore my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord, When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against Paul and were saying blasphemous things. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Your friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. It was in the 40s that Paul and Barnabas set sail for the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean Sea. That's where they began their first missionary journey. They were sent out by the church in Antioch in Syria. In in fact, the Holy Spirit himself had said to the congregation there, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, whom we better know as Paul, for the work to which I have called them. And then after the church had fasted and prayed and they laid their hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them off for that mission work. On Cyprus, the work went quite well for the most part. They did run into some opposition there. There was a Jewish sorcerer named Elemis, also known as Bar-Jesus, He tried to oppose Paul and Barnabas, but through Paul the Lord struck him blind for his devilish deceit and and trickery. And as I said, the mission work went well, therefore you see, in fact, the leader of the island, proconsul Sergius Paulus, believed, for he was amazed at the teachings about the Lord. Now from that island of Cyprus, they sailed north to what we would today call south-central Turkey. They landed at the city of Perga, and there John Mark 
their young helper abandoned them. We're not told of any mission work carried out in that city, but they, they head north and come to another town by the name of Antioch. You see, just like we have Alexandria, Minnesota, and Alexandria, Virginia, so they had Antioch in Syria, from which they had come, and now they were coming to Antioch in Pisidia, or Pisidian Antioch. Let's join them there. Imagine that you are one of the Gentiles, a non-Jew living in that city of Pisidian Antioch. But you have begun to know the God of Israel, the Lord. Even though the Jews are only a small minority in town, yet their God has attracted you, for he is so different than the gods of the Greeks and Romans. He upholds a high moral standard, and even more than that, he has promised a Messiah for salvation. And so you regularly go to the synagogue with the Jews in order to hear Moses and the prophets read each week. Now today, as you go to that synagogue, there are two visitors, two traveling rabbis. And after the readings, they are invited to speak. What are they going to say? Well, one of them begins by reviewing a little bit of the history of Israel He reminds everyone how the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt and cared for them through the wilderness, bringing them to the land of Canaan, the promised land. And then after the time of the judges, he raises up Saul as king. And after Saul, David, a man after the Lord's own heart. Yes, you've heard this before. Your Jewish friends have told you about this. But then this speaker named Paul tells you something you've never heard before. He says that one of David's descendants, a man by the name of Jesus, is the Savior. And then he goes on to prove it. He talks about how John the Baptist pointed to him. This Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets that are read each week. Oh yes, the leaders in Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders there, had rejected him and asked Pilate to crucify him, but Paul makes clear that this too was all prophesied from of old. And to top it all off, here's the ultimate proof. God himself raised this Jesus from the dead. Many people saw him alive and still testify about it. Now, as remarkable as all this sounds, doesn't compare to the joy that Paul's next words bring to your heart as you sit there in that synagogue in Pisidian Antioch. For looking at you, Paul then goes on and says, Therefore, brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Could that be true? even for a Gentile who wasn't born a Jew, even for someone like me, could that be true? Forgiveness for my sins through Jesus? But Paul goes on and explains how true that is. He goes on and says, for everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses.
Those words lift that huge burden off your back and mine. How those words bring joy to our hearts, for they fling that law of Moses that condemns off our backs. Yes, you know the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, God's holy requirements. How pure and noble they are. And yet how impossible. How could I ever present my heart to God, pure of all pride and selfishness, totally devoted to Him and Him alone? Yes, the law is good and excellent. But I, I'm weak and filthy. And so also are you. How could we ever stand before God in His courtroom? Remember what the scriptures say? Exodus 34. The Lord does not leave the guilty unpunished. Deuteronomy 4. He is a consuming fire. Look at how he came down on Mount Sinai. Remember his judgments. Remember how he judged the world in the days of Noah. Look at his judgments against his own people Israel throughout the Old Testament whenever they wandered away from him. How could you or I ever stand in his courtroom? How could we ever plead our case appealing to the law as if we were good enough? How damning the verdict is that the law unleashes and unloads across our backs. But what had Paul said? What was that good news that he had just proclaimed? Everyone who believes is justified through Jesus from everything you could not be justified of by the law. Yes, through Jesus. How that lifts that burden off of our back for through Jesus and only through Jesus, you are forgiven even in God's courtroom. What great good news that is. And as we hear that proclaimed and told to us. It brings that faith in our hearts, that faith that rejoices to hear that even in God's courtroom we're forgiven through Jesus. And so in God's courtroom, faith pleads Jesus. Yes, your faith, dear friend, your faith stands up in God's courtroom and pleads like this. Yes, Lord, I am guilty I have broken your law. But Jesus died and rose for me. Through him, I have forgiveness. Forgiveness from all of my sins. Because your word promises everyone who believes is justified. And that includes me. Yes, through Jesus, you are justified. What wonderful words of message Paul brought to us as we sat there in that synagogue at, 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 at Pisidian Antioch. What wonderful words still sound from those pages of the Bible for you and for me still today. And it isn't that our faith has to wonder about what might happen someday or on the last day. Because did you hear what Paul was saying? That wonderful verdict he was announcing right here and now? Through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified. Not a future tense, but present. 
right now, is justified. What a wonderful verdict for our faith to hold on to right here and now. In God's courtroom, you're justified, you're forgiven through Jesus. What joy this brings our faith. Joy that, that, that cannot be kept in but, but reacts. And we see two reactions, don't we, as we take a closer look at what happens there in Pisidian Antioch. Two reactions of faith in, in those first hearers. The first thing we see is that they invite Paul back to say more the following week. They want to hear more. In fact, many don't want to wait until the following Sabbath. They follow Paul and Barnabas and talk to them throughout the week. Faith's joy feasts on gladly hearing and learning God's word. That's one reaction. But there's more as well, isn't there? Do you remember how the following week nearly the whole town turned out to hear? Why do you think that was? It wasn't that Paul had some sort of mass media blitz or put up billboards. It wasn't that he was offering door prizes or having a raffle. No. Neighbor told neighbor. For you see such good news that God's verdict justifies even sinners like me through Jesus Christ. Couldn't be kept in. That joy overflowed. Inviting others to the feast. For so great is the feast of God's forgiveness that there is room enough for all. Yes, faith, joy overflows, welcoming, inviting and welcoming others to that feast. In God's courtroom, you're forgiven through Jesus. What joy that verdict brings to our hearts. What joy that verdict fills our faith with so that we feast on his word regularly and share this good news broadly. Don't stifle this joy. Don't neglect it. For you see, the good news of God's truth will pass on if we neglect it. Let's go back and look a little bit more at the text here. For what we see happening the following week isn't all good news, is it? As we look at the world around us, it's often easy to see a lot of the sins out there. And at times we do need to speak out strongly against the sins of the society around us. Abortion, homosexuality, the breakdown of the family, drugs and drunkenness, uh, pornography, the explicit uh, violence and sexuality that's so readily uh, viewable, humanism, evolution, secularism, materialism, and the list goes on. Yes, at times we must warn against those things, but the danger there is that we can become smug and just simply shake our heads at the poor souls out there. But when we go back and see what happened there at Antioch that following week, there is a warning that comes for you and me. Yes, as I contemplate what happened to those Jews there in Antioch, it comes to my mind that the greatest danger, or at least one of the greatest dangers we face, is portrayed for us there. And it's not any of those sins of society that I listed earlier. 
Think about what happened that following week there. Paul again comes to the synagogue. And as the Jews are there, there's some very bad news that happens. Remember at the end of his sermon the previous week, Paul had warned them against scoffing the message, against hardening their hearts against it, like their forefathers did in the days of Habakkuk. That's the prophet Paul quoted. That's what we see happening there the following week. And as they reject that good news of Jesus, what does Paul tell them? He says, since you have rejected it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. You see how God's truth passed on away from them because they neglected and rejected it. And the same will happen to us if we neglect God's truth. That's the great danger we need to watch against for ourselves here. For we can so easily become familiar with the message that we take it for granted, we neglect it, we push it off. And that is no longer the attitude of faith. Rather, that is the attitude that stands before God in his courtroom and says, Hey God, I know everything between us is good because I learned about Jesus, I believe in him, and so I know you have to save me. So I'll get back to you when the time's right. Yes, such an attitude says a lot of the same things that faith does, but it's not faith. Rather, it's, it's the attitude that busies itself with the things of this world, figuring we can get to Jesus later on. Or, or to use a different illustration, it's, it's the kind of attitude that's like a trapeze artist swinging through the air, doing the things of this life as ever they come to us, figuring Jesus is down below as a safety net, not something we've got to worry or wonder about until we're actually falling, and then you know, he'll be there to catch us, we figure. That's not the faith we talked about earlier, is it? The faith that hungers to feast on God's truth. The faith that rejoices and overflows wanting to share that verdict of forgiveness through Jesus. How close are we to having God's truth pass on away from us? I don't know. But just as we see happening there at Pisidian Antioch, when the Jews, in their self-righteousness, reject God's truth, so also if we cultivate an attitude of self-indulgence, God's truth will pass away from us. For you see, both of those attitudes are cut from the same kind of cloth. We look at history and we see how it has happened. In the days of the early church, the light of Jesus Christ shone out brightly from the area of the world we call the Middle East, but now you hardly find God's truth spoken there at all. It moved on from there to Europe and shone like a beacon during the days of Luther and thereafter. But now how many of those cathedrals stand dark and vacant? Yes, when God's truth is neglected, passes on. Will that happen to us as well? Don't speed the passing of God's truth by neglecting it. Rather, rejoice that the light of Jesus does now shine on you here. Don't take it for granted. 
rather with fresh ears. Hear God's verdict once again. Through Jesus, you're forgiven in God's courtroom. Yes, hear that verdict with fresh ears so that that joy wells up in your heart as faith, joy, hears this message. Don't replace that joy with the passing happinesses of this world. Rather cling to it in faith. Cling to that justifying verdict. Through Jesus, you are forgiven in God's courtroom. For as faith holds on to that message, it wells up in us so that we feast on his, his, his word and share it with others. Yes, and cherish it in our own hearts. For you see, as you cherish God's blessed verdict, it will not, it cannot pass away from you. For your faith clings to it with all your strength. In God's courtroom, you're forgiven through Jesus. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.